I love bookstores. You know, the the smell of them. New glue and fresh paper and roasting coffee. I love all of the sounds. All the, the, the quiet mall chatter and the contemporary acoustic music playing in the background. Those tweens in the corner listening to their, you know, latest edition of Death Note or, I don't know, reading some manga. I used to spend all of my time at bookstores. Uh, Hanging out there with my family was like our family outing. You know, just hang out all day at a Barnes & Noble or a Borders when they still existed. It's where I fell in love with storytelling. Where I came across most of the books that changed my life, including today's story. What do you get when you cross Aristotle logic with the mind of a Soviet expat in love with the great American dream? Well, you get Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead, a story chock full of reason, long-winded speeches, mid-century architecture, and the plight of a man who's just wanting to make beautiful things. Hey folks, I'm Brandy Anderson, and this is Stories That Made Me, a podcast about obsessive reading, questionable taste in movies and TV, and the impact that great storytelling can have on our lives. So I was around 16, I think, when I read The Fountainhead. Um, I was reading a a lot of dystopian lit at the time, you know, 1984, Fahrenheit 451, The Giver, lots and lots of Heinlein. So uh, I happened to be at a bookstore, of course, (laughs) hunting for my next read when some, you know, random guy starts talking to me about books and, and he recommended that I take a look at Ayn Rand's work. So, you know, I buy Anthem. It's it's one of her earlier books, and it's this, you know, short hundred-odd pager that's basically the giver, but, you know, for adults. Um, it's set in a dystopian future, just like the giver. Uh, everyone lives this really structured life where they tell you what to do and what to say and how to say it and, you know, give you its special nondescript name just like the giver only you know in anthem instead of you know everyone not being able to see cool colors you know you just never heard of an orgasm before the whole book is really about individuality and finding yourself and opposing collectivist ideation so it's it's really a great intro into Ayn Rand's body of, of work, especially for 16-year-old Brandy, who felt like every teenager in the history of ever, that the world wasn't really built for me, that I, I needed to find some way for the world to see my own unique brand of individuality. Um. So I'm 33 now, and I've read probably everything Ayn Rand has ever written. 
uh, every essay, every book. I, I own like a lexicon of all of her thoughts and feelings around particular topics. I mean, I got way deep into this. Um, but my favorite book, bar none, is The, the Fountainhead, which I ended up reading immediately after Anthem. Uh, and it's because this story, more than, than any other story I, I've ever read or watched or, or listened to, showed me the kind of person that I wanted to be. So the Fountainhead is essentially an, an allegory for Ayn Rand's ideal man. And I'm using quotation marks here for that. Uh, it follows this young architect. His name is Howard Rorick. And on his journey to become this big deal architect. But the story is less about like the everyday mishaps of a young man on his way up the ladder. Uh, and more about Rorick's like complete and, and utter dismissal of all societal conventions and how that society, you know, told through the eyes of some key side characters, responds to and, and inevitably fights against Rorick's nature. Um, what makes Rourke so ideal in Ayn Rand's mind is his reason, his conviction in his own self. Uh, Rourke walks through the world as if no one else exists, as if it's, it's just him and his own desire to create. His disregard for those around him is juxtaposed greatly by the characters that kind of fill in the rest of the story. You've got... The, the conformist who strives to kowtow to what is, is socially expected and acceptable uh, and is really confused and, and fearful of Rourke. Uh, you have this, this character who she calls the humanist who, who spouts like altruistic and collectivistic kumbaya type shit, uh, but is also a, a charlatan and this kind of master manipulator, you know, spouting nonsense and, and mysticism to the ignorant masses. Um, and knowing what kind of, of man Rorik is, the humanist is the one who's, who's actively working to destroy Rorik and, and seemingly the world. Um, then you have the, the businessman who, you know, could have been the ideal man, except for his desire not to create, but to to have money and to fit into this world that shunned him. The businessman is really no better than the the conformist when you come down to it. Maybe even worse because he could have been, you know, so much more. Um, and then finally, you have this female character. Who, you know, maybe is, is the, the ideal woman, although I will say she's probably a little problematic, uh, if you see her, uh, today. And the story itself, I think, in certain places is, is also a little problematic, but the, the essence of the story is, is really a tale of, of man's greatest strength, which according to Ayn Rand is himself his reason and his own conviction, what Ayn Rand called rational egoism. Um, and at a, at a whopping 652 pages, uh, Ayn Rand uses all the words in her repertoire to tell us exactly what she feels and thinks about rational 
egoism. And I think this book, more than than any of her other books, including uh, if you ever get a chance to read these, We the Living or Anthem, um, really lays down the the foundation of what would eventually become her own philosophical movement called objectivism. So, so why this book? Why why is this book my favorite out of out of all the things? Right. Um, one, I I thought this book was really beautifully written. Um, and <laughs> at sixteen, surprisingly enough, I'd read like a lot at sixteen. Like my whole life was reading. So uh, when I picked up this book, I was just like kind of blown away uh, by the writing style. It felt like I was I was there in nineteen forty six. Like like in a cafe having her talk to me this way and, and read it. So um, Ayn Rand is admittedly really long winded and, and she writes in this very literary sort of way, but man, every word, every, every sentence felt like it was, it was laid there on the page for maximum effect. There were speeches in this book and, and all the characters were prone to giving speeches where I, I literally shivered because of like the feelings that came up for me when when I was reading it. There were so many times where I had to just put the book down and just just think about what I had just read. That's what a good book is to me, something that I have to, you know, really chew on, right? Like like something that's got some stickiness to it that I have to really uh, think about and and ponder over time and it's Kind of why I've read it so many times. I think between the age of 16 and maybe 25, I read it twice a year <laughs> just to, just to, to have, I don't know, those words and thoughts in, in my head again. Um, so I've, I've read this like a lot. Uh, the, the second thing I think I really liked about this book is that Howard Rourke was, and and still is, I think, represents somewhat of what I feel like I, I've never really had, right? He's this this cool and confident sort of guy, this this strong willed person. He's he's the type of dude that says, you know, if he says he's gonna do a thing, like he's he's gonna do the thing. Uh no question about it. That's just the way that it is. Um and he's he's wholly oblivious to the needs and desires of 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 other people around him really you know kind of selfishly focused on himself and his own needs while being like wholly and deeply passionate about his work some people would not find these traits particularly admirable and i, I totally get that but for me having grown up this this middle child in this this huge family my default has always been to care about and consider the needs and desires of, of those around me. And so, you know, that makes me a highly empathetic person, uh, well-liked, um, but it's it's exhausting being caring so much and for so long. So what I've always craved and desired for myself, and it's, it's something that I've like literally actively working towards doing more for myself in, in both uh, therapy and, and my meditation practice is the ability to put myself first, to be like Rorik, where I care about my own needs before, you know, I, I bring other people into the mix. Um, what's that thing when you're on 
a, a plane and <laughs> they tell you, hey, you got to you got to put your own, own mask on before you could put other people's mask on that rationale, that thought process. That's what I try to remember. That's what I'm trying to incorporate into my own life. And, and Rorick had that in, in spades. Um, third, and, and I think lastly, this book got me thinking about my my own beliefs. Um, again, I was 16 when I first read this. I don't think I had ever like thought about what I thought about uh, the world or morals or uh, any of those like really important thing that you start thinking about, you know, maybe in, in college or something. This is the first book and the first time where I had to really think about how I saw the world and what I wanted from it and what I could give it as well. Um, and I think even though my views have very much changed over the last 20 years or so, like I don't necessarily think, you know, rainbows and, and butterflies shoot out of Ayn Rand's butt anymore um, or that she has all of the answers. But I can definitely see the bits and pieces left over from the, the fountainhead on the way in which I engage with the world and, and those around me. Um, I'm very much a reason and logic first type of person. I don't believe in, in, in black and white things. And I think for, for me, that's something that I learned from the, the fountainhead, this, this idea that reason and logic have to go before, um, feelings that are, you know, not necessarily as real as as we would like to believe they are. So, you know, would I recommend this book? Definitely. Um, who do I recommend it for? Um, I think you should pick up a copy of Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead if you like reading really, really long stories or if you're inspired by architectural design. I know I have definitely noticed buildings more since I read the book that first time. Um, or if you uh, don't like any of those things, but you're, you think, uh, I, I don't know, you want to know what all the hubbub is about, uh, definitely grab the book. Ayn Rand over the last few years has become a bit of a controversial character, um, which I think is like astounding because, you know, she was this pro-choice, anti-religion, anti-mysticism, anti-money-grubbing, you know, conformist society type person and an ex-Soviet at that, okay? And in some way, shape or form, she's become this like poster child for the conservative American right. It blows my mind <laughs> just thinking about it. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if she would be this way today. But in any case, uh, I think if you read The Fountainhead, you'll get uh, kind of a clearer idea of, of what she was all about. And you can always go on and read Atlas Shrugged if you want to after that. I want to say a special thanks to Francis Wells, who provided the theme song to uh, this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and like this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you're listening to things these days. 
I want to say thank you all for joining this uh, first episode uh, of the podcast. I'm Brandy Anderson, and this is Stories That Made Me.